Good. Live stream, take it away. You know, you never get a touch. Good morning, Freedom Center. You guys ready? All right, open the Bible that you got in front of you, in your pocket, on your phone, uh, to Matthew chapter 6. Today, I, I promised you last week we'd be talking about debt. This week, I was passionate. I made sure to remind you, I triple dog dared you to come. Uh, something about punching you in the face and breaking your legs, I think, was mentioned in the second service. And someone said, hey, you're, you seem kind of fired up about this. It doesn't seem like a safe environment for me to bring my family to. I, I want you to know, I would never punch you in the face, just your ideas. <laughs> I would never break your legs in, in any other way except the metaphor to teach us a new way to walk. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> Sorry. You guys ever get, like, sharp pains in your toes for no good reason, like you just stepped on a nail? Me neither. Ugh. Breathe. Okay. So um, if you're, if you're kind of like here for the first time, I don't normally freak out in pain, but it just happened. The, uh, the other thing is we're in the middle of a three-month series where we're talking about time. September, we talked about the management, the stewardship, the decisions, the choices, the priorities of time. Uh, five weeks, we brought in John Obaluski, one, one of my great mentors slash tormentors who's always mean to me and tells me what I'm doing wrong and helps me to figure out the right way to do it. And, and if you have not heard that series, that, that month of September's uh, the third of this whole series on time, you should listen to it. Um, this month, we're talking about resource, the things that God puts in our hands. We went back to the Garden of Eden, figure out what God was doing when resource was placed in Adam and Eve's hands. We went back to the priorities, and, and if we were to establish some sort of a wise biblical budget, what that might look like based on biblical principles and laws. We talked about the natural laws and the supernatural laws. How many of you guys remember the natural laws, the natural world? One plus one equals? Not hard, right? Four. Yeah, thank you. Do my taxes. I need help, right? One plus one equals two. In the supernatural world, one plus Jesus equals really whatever Jesus wants it to be. Loaves and fish are loaves and fish. Loaves and fish are whatever Jesus wants them to be. Walking on water is called swimming. Drowning. But walking on water, the natural laws bow to the supernatural God who created the natural laws. So we talked about that, and today we're going to get into really one of those things that um, I, I think is is going to be a little touchy, so I'm going to be extraordinarily gentle at some other church because you guys can take it, right? So we talk about, about debt. Understand this. The number one wealth-building tool that you have in your life today is your regular income. It's your paycheck. When, when God blesses you and you get a paycheck, you sell a car, you get a paycheck. You sell a water softener, you get a paycheck. You, you go to work, you screw the nut and the bolt, and, and an hourly wage is, is totaled up, a dollar amount's assigned to it, and you get a paycheck. One of the things that the world has done so successfully to the place where it's almost a new pharaoh over, over Israel is that um, we have sold our largest, fastest, most powerful wealth-building tool for the product known as debt. Now you say, what do you mean the product known as debt? Four billion, with a B, four billion, billion dollars was spent last year by the four major credit card companies convincing you and selling you to buy their product called debt. Now, if you have bought that, because they're extremely good at it. Matter of fact, how many of you guys, uh, if I were to sensitize you to this, watch a sporting event this afternoon. Watch, you know, the Hallmark Channel tonight. Watch whatever it is you bass fishing. You're going to find out that, that about one out of three commercials is someone trying to loan you money. And when you go, like, your credit reporting, your FICO score, this is a way to get a better FICO score, they'll lead you directly to a link that gets you to borrow money. And if you want to go to school, they're going to get you to try to... If you want to buy a car, they're going to get you to try to, but if you want to buy a house, make sure you always pay, never mind, just get what you want today by 
borrowing money. So it is not unusual in, a, in an audience like the one that we have today, the congregation, Christian people, love Jesus, just got done worshiping, to in some segment or even to a great extent of their life be enslaved to debt. And, I, and I, you say slave's a strong word. We'll get into just a minute, but understand this. How many hours, how many days of the month do you work before you make the first dollar that you get to decide what you want to do with it? Well, every hour prior to that, you're, what are you working for? Who are you working for? What, what is it that that labor went into? And some of us, guys, let's be honest, there's more month than, than there is income for the month. So we're living, the, I think the average American last I heard was living at 103% of their income. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> that means that every month they spend everything they make, they live paycheck to paycheck. 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and it was like uh, 72% if they had a $500 emergency would have to borrow money to meet that emergency. So we're not, by, by and large, good savers, and we're not, by and large, wise with this product that they spent $4 billion selling us called debt. So people say, what, what is behind the slavery? I think it's greed. Um, on the credit cards company's uh, side of it. But what, what is it on, on our side? I think it's a sense of, and I'll just be, can I just be honest? Because I'm not talking about you anymore. I'm talking about me. When I borrowed money, it's because I trusted my MasterCard because it seemed a better master than my master. Does that make sense? That was a nice little, oh, that went through the congregation. It's, it's like an amen, only in reverse. It's a revelation. It's just a painful one, Right? That, that when, I, when I needed something, instead of saying, God, these kids grew again this year. God, some idiot put like Christmas in December this year, and it really caught me by surprise. <laughs> God, the tires went bald. God, the, the tank went dry. God, the, you know, I, I, and I, you know, so hey, if, if you'd have wanted me to pay for this, you'd have given me the money, but since you didn't, I'll turn away from my master and towards my MasterCard. This sound familiar to anybody else? How about you? I, I only use credit cards back in the day for emergencies. How many of you guys, credit cards are only for emergencies? How many of you guys know, though, like Tuesday is an emergency because I didn't have cash with me, so I bought a coffee. Well, it's an emergency. You ever see me without caffeine? It's ugly. It may not be an emergency for me, but it is for everybody around me. Please drug the man, please, you know. So what I'm here to say is this. I, we are going to have to be careful. Let me introduce you. That's, that's the what. Let me introduce you to the who, though, that I think, I, I think I'm discerning this biblically. I think I'm discerning this truly and rightly. But let me introduce you to the Pharaoh of America. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. You've been there for a while. No one can serve two masters, capital M, masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, there's something that you can't tell because the font is all capitalized. But in certain translations of the Bible, the word money doesn't have a small m. It has a capital N, meaning it's representing a, a, an identity, a person, okay? So you cannot serve both God and money. People say, okay, so I can't work for a paycheck anymore because Jesus said not to. Not what I said. So I, I need to get a social security check from the government because working for money is evil. It's not what I said. It's not what Jesus said. The word money there is the word mammon. Everybody say mammon. It's just fun to say it. It's fun to watch you say it. Mammon. Now, mammon has a couple of things. In the day that Jesus said this, mammon had two specific meanings. One was mammon was a person, the Assyrian god of avarice. You say, that's, I don't understand most of those words. I got gotcha. you. Assyria, the, the country, had a false god, small g, an idol, 
whose name was Mammon, and he was known as the god of avarice or the, the ongoing incessant appetite, the lust that cannot be satisfied, the greed that will never have enough. The, he, was, he was the one that when men would lust or women would covet or children would, would you know, envy, they're like, well, that's, you're praying to Mammon. Mammon is the one that says there's, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Does that sound like anything we hear today in credit card companies and car commercials and all that stuff? There's more, there's more, there's more. Hear me. The god of avarice as a person Jesus may have been talking about, the false god, the demonic entity, the, the spirit behind the greed, the envy, the lust, okay? But the other possible thing is that was so known, it just kind of became a phrase. It, 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 and either way, if it's just a phrase or it's literally the spirit behind it, I don't think it matters because I think what's behind mammon ain't good. Now, money's not bad. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil stuff, but money's not bad. Money's not good. What is money? Money is amoral. Is money moral or immoral? It's amoral. It has no morality. Money doesn't have a mind of its own. It goes where we send it. It does what we tell it. It obeys the will of the one who holds it. If I tell it to go get me a Starbucks to bless the world around me, it goes and runs off and brings me back a bente dark roast with triple cream. Don't judge the triple cream. That's why I have three chins. Leave me alone. I'm happy. All right? So mammon, right? Now, both God... The God of the Bible, the God of the universe, the creator, the one that loves you, the one that sent Jesus to die for you, and mammon, the one that just wants to always tease you and, and tempt you and get you farther and farther and farther into the slavery that you believe at some point there's no way to ever get back out again, they both say the same things. Now, true or false, God has promised us if we'll worship him and make him first, God's going to give us identity. Is that true or false? Yeah, we're the sons of God. We're the daughters of God. We're heirs and co-heirs, Romans chapter 8. He promises to give us peace. Well, Jesus is the prince of, he's cornered the market on it, right? The only peace that comes is the peace that comes from God. Everything else is a fake peace, right? Security, does he promise to be a father to us? Does he say how he's long to gather us like a hen would gather, you know, the chicks around under her wings, right? I mean, like God has promised us security, freedom. He who the Son sets free is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, like, this is, this is not like an alien race, right? Satisfaction. How many of you guys have ever just been lost in worship and you weren't even hungry anymore? I just, I don't hate anybody. I love everybody. I love Jesus. This is where Jesus, oh, there it goes again. It's all right. Mm, healing. Let's put that one up there, too. Healing. Satisfaction. There, there's that, that, uh, that point in time where you just kind of go, man, I just feel so whole. I, I never have that on a used car lot. I only have that in the presence of God. Does he promise a satisfaction? Come on, right? And then an abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10, but I've come that they might have life and have it, what? Abundantly. Now, true or false, mammon makes some of the same claims. Well, if, if you had more of me, people would think more of you. True? All right? Mammon promises peace. And there is a certain security that comes from emergency funds, there is a certain security of a pile of money that you can retire on. There really is. But how many of you guys know there's a difference between wisdom being stored up and the false peace? Because he says, listen, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth can destroy and eat it and rust can destroy it, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He, he's talking about, listen, you need to have an eternal perspective on your wealth. You need to understand whatever you have, God has given it to you to be a steward of, which may mean he may require some of it. He may require all of it. He may ask for very little of it, but he is going to ask something because money is always a test. And money is always a trust. There's a peace. If I just had a million dollars, I had poor John Churchill up here on the platform a few years back, and I said, John, I'm going to write you a check. You, you never have to work again. 
$1 amount, you said, whatever it is. He said, a million dollars. I said, John, don't be stupid. You're a young man. You've got a family. How much do you want? He said, $10 million. I'm like, okay. It doesn't matter. In my checking account, whether it's $1 million or $10 million, I'm still going to jail. So write the check. Here you go. Boing, 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 you know. Uh, and, and so I, I said, now, are you, are you content? Are you, are you safe? Do you have peace? Do you have security? Do you have freedom? Do you have satisfaction? Do you have an abundant life? He said, yes. And I said, okay. But here's what happened. But you're going you're gonna to buy a house, right? He said, right. I said, in the neighborhood that's bad or good? Good. Like a great neighborhood? A great neighborhood. I want lakes. I want boats. I, I, want, I want more than one boat. I want somebody to take care of my boats because I'm smart enough to know that boats always break. That boat is actually an acronym for bust out another thousand. That's what boat stands for. Jeep is just empty every pocket, if you have a Wrangler, right? That's, these are all acronyms. And so I said, okay, now you're a kid. You're going to send them to the public school in Flint? He said, no, no, I'm going to send them to a private academy. I said, okay, at that private academy where they're getting great education next to people whose parents are also wealthy, one of these days your daughter's going to come home, look at you those big brown eyes and say, Daddy, we have a motor home. We have a, we have a place up north on Torch Lake. We, we've got a beautiful home in, in Fenton on the lake. But I have a friend at school. They don't have a motor home. They have a jet. And then I go up to Torch Lake. They go to the Riviera in, in France, and they spend the whole summer there. Daddy, are we poor? Now, do you want to revise the number? He said, heck, yes, I want to revise the number. I said, John, I just gave you a million dollars, and then I just gave you $10 million. Now I'm going to give you $100 million. Maybe the problem we have with money is not money. Maybe the problem we have with money is that we have to concede the fact that mammon will never truly satisfy what only God can truly satisfy. That mammon can never truly give peace as only God himself can give us peace. That maybe mammon cannot give us true security as only God can give us true security. Because mammon always say more, 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 farther, farther, compromise, steal, lie, cheat, whatever it takes because you don't have, you're not, you're not, you're not anybody unless you have me. And God says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I'm gentle, I'm humble at heart. You'll find rest for your soul. Both of them are calling us. Is that true or false? I mean, we're being called to the tune of $4 billion. You know why the credit card companies spend $4 billion marketing debt to you? Because they make more than $4 billion for having done it. What's in your wallet? You've earned the right to, to, ha to have the card that pays you back. They, all these lies, all these marketing schemes, really what they're saying is they're, they're borrowing banks' money, which is your money you put in the bank, and they're giving you less than 1%. They'll gladly loan it back to you for 18%. That's why bank buildings are larger than your house. Because there's a lot of people out there, and I almost said dumb people. There's a lot of people who have bought into a lie and a system where debt is normal. I don't know if you know this or not, and maybe you don't. If you didn't know your great-grandparents, I had the privilege of knowing my great-grandmother. Um, her, her father was a Pony Express rider. Um, she was raised in the South. She understood the value of hard work and blacksmithing. She fell off a horse when she was nine months pregnant with my grandfather. It's a miracle I'm even here and my mom ever got there and my grandpa was ever born. Just hardworking Missouri, you know, not Missouri, Missouri, you know, farm folk and, and field folk. And, uh, and I tell you what, that, that lady taught me more, and one of the things she taught me was about debt. She said, I can't believe how much debt people are in today. Like it's, I mean, she, she was born in the 1800s, so she didn't hear about the Great Depression. She lived through the Great Depression. She didn't hear about World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. She lived through all of those things. She didn't into the Gulf War. She actually, it's kind of funny, my grandmother was born and came home uh, was born in the home, and the first time she went anywhere, it was on the back of a horse, and she lived long enough to see reusable spacecraft in one lifetime. And I said, what's the biggest change you've seen? She said, people's relationship with debt. When I was young, 
Only foolish people, bad people, gambling people, drunk people, lazy people had debt, and now today everybody has debt. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is not normal to be indebted. It is not normal to live paycheck to paycheck. It's a brand new phenomenon that's happened in the last 50, 60 years that has now been normalized. But let me tell you something. Scripture doesn't say it's normal. It says it's slavery. So how do we get into debt? How could mammon enslave us? And here it is. Hear me. By convincing us that God's blessings are insufficient. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Travel back there with me in your little time machine. Um, Put some fig leaves on. And now we're standing there. We're, we're listening to Adam and Eve have a conversation with the serpent, with Satan in the garden. And the serpent says things like, you know, have you considered eating the fruit of this tree? And well, we, you know, he says we can't. The day we eat of it, the day we you can't even touch it or we'll die. And Satan goes, you're not going to die. That's, that's what he taught you? Let me tell you what he's actually doing. God knows the day you eat of this, the day you do what he said not to do, the day you take this and you bite into it, you're going to know something that you don't currently know. You're going to be something you're not right now. You're going to go somewhere you can't go unless you take a bite out of that apple. What God's blessings are doing is actually holding you back. You deserve the card that pays you. You deserve to, to say what's in your wallet and say, I used to have silver. It used to be green. Then it was silver. Then it was gold. Now it's platinum because I'm really stupid. You deserve that. Now, let me just tell you something. If this is God's provision, everybody say provision. This is the line. God's provision, doesn't matter if it's a million dollars or a hundred dollars. This is God's provision. The way that you get to live in, in an abundance, here we go, this is going to seem strange, but again, it's an upside down kingdom. God's provision. The way you get to live with, in a land of more than enough is to live here, not here. The way to be enslaved is to take God's blessings and believe that we should live above them against God's principles, laws, and ways. When we live above what God has provided, and I know this gets very complicated for some of you, so I, I'm talking about an ideal. I'm not speaking to someone who's, whose spouse just ran out, took, took the bank, took the income, left you with the kids. and the dad. Listen, there are emergency situations. There's actually a classification in Scripture where we as a congregation should get behind people financially and help them through a season, even if the season is elongated widowness, like, we, I'm, what I'm talking to is probably 85, 90% of us, but I'm not talking to 100% of us. Is that fair? So if you're here and you're a single mom going, well, thanks for nothing, Jim. Like, I, like I don't feel bad enough already. Now you're telling me that, you know, I have to live. I can't live. I can't feed my kids. There's no Buster Browns. There's no, I mean, Kmart doesn't have jeans that cheap. I don't know what to do, but this. Don't do this. Do, I'm so old I am. Do this. <laughs> do this. Martha? Martha, the Sheriff Taylor. Wow. Hey, cold medicine is a trip, isn't it? I, I'm telling you. I have been this happy in a long time. God's provision. You want to be enslaved? Live above what he provides. You want to be free and have an abundance? Live below what he provides. And then in this margin, you get to plant new seeds. You get to save for things. You get to make car payments on cars you haven't seen yet and five years later pay cash for them. You get to go visit Mickey and Uncle Donald and Aunt Minnie. And, and come home feeling good about it rather than, dear God, what have we done? When Christmas surprises us this year in December, we have a budget, we have an envelope, we've, we've been putting money into a sinking fund throughout the year, right? And then we reach into that and there's this wad of, you know, $1 bills, <laughs> you know? And you, you get on Amazon and you deliver a bunch of Chinese garbage to people you kind of like, you know what I mean? And you save the good stuff for your kids. So right, let me just ask you this. Are, are mammon's lies, in other words, here's the provision of anybody in this room, anybody in America, are mammon's lies working? Is he getting us to live above this? Yes or no? Yes. 
Let's take a look, all right? 2006 starts at the left, 2018, actually the beginning of 2019 starts to the right. This red arrow tells us where we were when the economy crashed, and that is that we, were, we currently had at that point about $2 trillion in uh, non-housing consumer debt. So this is cars, and this is um, you know, the washing machine you bought on your Home Depot card. This is that sort of stuff. So in 2009, look, it goes down because the banks stopped loaning money because people couldn't pay their bills, and we stopped borrowing money because we realized the slavery we were really in when we missed one paycheck. Dramatic pause, sinking in, lots of pain. God bless your broken legs, okay? Now, in 2011, not here, but the rest of the country began to have an economic turnaround. It took us till 2014, 2016 before our property values came back, the jobs came back, all that kind of stuff. But you watch, now today, that same amount of debt we had when the recession hit and we all panicked, America has now doubled to $4 trillion of consumer debt. Was the $4 billion on credit card advertising worth it? Yes, because they have a thousand-fold return from billions to trillions. Four billion dollars spent, four trillion dollars borrowed. Look at this. This is credit cards and other revolving debt. So this is this the Mastercard, Visa, Discovery. Uh, what's another one? American Express, the big four. All right. When the recession hit, 2008 and 9, there's that big bump. This is just fun. Have you noticed that every fourth quarter there's a large jump in debt? What could that possibly be? Somebody say, what is it? Merry Detmas. Yeah. Every four months, we realize, uh-oh, Christmas came in December <laughs> this year. Didn't see that coming. Total surprise, right? And we did the same thing. 2000, 2008, 2009, we're in trouble. The bank stopped loaning money. We realize it's evil. Even the, even the fourth quarter bump is diminished because we decided not to go into debt. So we have proven, by and large, as a culture, we don't necessarily need two months' income in one month to celebrate Jesus' birthday. It's so wonderfully awkward today. I wish, I feel like I'm teaching a sex ed class to seventh graders. It's just, you know, <laughs> oh my God. So here we got a trillion dollars in the same sort of revolving credit card debt. So let, let me just say this. I've got eight minutes left, and in the next eight minutes, I'm going to give you things you should write down. Because I'm going to teach you how to be free from mammon. I'm going to teach you how to never go back. I'm going to teach you how to walk forward. I'm going to teach you how to not to be a part of this chart. But really what, what we should be doing as a nation is not borrowing money and, and saving for our old age and leaving an inheritance to our children's children. All right. Eh, two amens. I'll take it. So what do we do if we realize that we're in big trouble? If you're in debt, number one thing is this. You're going to need to trust God. Everybody say, trust God. It's going to require a certain element called faith. Faith is not this anomalous, I read a Bible verse, I scream it every morning, I look in the mirror, I repeat it to myself. It's trusting the person who wrote the Bible verse so that you can trust the Bible verse itself. Does that make sense? I want you to hear my heart. If you're, if you're enslaved to that, I mean, full-blown, not, not 50 bucks, I mean, uh, your, your annual salary is now just soaked up by managing debt that is never going to go away. I have tremendous news for you. The God who set your spirit free can set your wallet free, too. There is hope. And I don't mean hope like, oh, there's hope. I mean, there's hope. I mean, there's legit, tangible, testimonial, community hope. If any of here ever paid off any credit card by the grace of God, can I see your hand? Okay, that's a testimony. It, it isn't irreversible. Whatever, you, whatever you've done, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever moments of fear or great need or persecution or whatever caused that, that lapse, or just ignorance. My people are destroyed, God says, by a lack of 
I just didn't know. I mean, everybody's borrowed money. Everybody's just, I was in college. I, I took student loans. I, they, I walked down the campus. They gave me a free T-shirt and a $400 credit line that's now up to $10,000 and it's maxed out. I mean, I, if, however we got here, understand this. Now, however Israel got in slavery to Egypt, God is their deliverer and there is a promised land. So our hope is in him. We're pretty good with math, but our hope is in the Lord. Amen? God can fix this. How does he fix it? Well, we turn to him first and go, my bad. MasterCard gone. Master, I bow. Um, I'm going to say this to you, and I, I really want you to hear me. It's a warning, okay? For a little bit, living God's ways are going to seem harder than living mammon's ways because you're going to cut up your credit card. You're going to cancel revolving debt. You're, you're, I mean, I'm watching it right now. I'm teaching a financial peace class. Last week, I had a young man just grab his credit card. He didn't cut it up. He, he confettied the bad boy. He was so mad. at. He said, this is the credit card I started my business on. All my tools, I, I'm, I'll have to pay it off in the first year. I've got a plan, but how many of you guys know when you start a business, work doesn't just come in. It takes time to build the business. Like every dollar he borrowed was still there. He said, I'm cutting it up tonight because I'm going to trust my master, not my master card. He just started confetting. We, we just, as a class, we celebrated that. You go, man. You're going to be free. How many of you guys know that if you refuse to borrow money, debt-free is an eventuality? Now, you say, that's, that's wonderful, Jim. Thank you for that biblical principle. That's, that, that touched me. So if you want to quit smoking, stop buying cigarettes. Yeah, thanks. That, I, so now it's not even hard. I didn't say it wasn't going to be darn near impossible, but I'm saying this. God is going to give you challenging moments. If, how many of you guys think it would be better to trust God than to trust a, a finance industry? Let me see. It's better to trust God than the bank, just out of curiosity. All right, God, I wish this was the altar call. It, it may be, all right? If you're going to trust God to be better than the bank, that's a big decision. A big decision, by the way, that will be tested on multiple occasions. As soon as you cancel your credit line, as soon as you pay off your first card, you know what you get in the mail? Hundreds more because, oh, you pay bills? We want to loan you money. We loan money to a lot of people that don't pay us back, but, but you pay back, so we're going to give you a better interest rate, a bigger margin, uh, and you, 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 if you're living here, but man, it's Christmas, baby, and you can live like the Jetsons if you want. Like you can just go off and buy robot dogs and stuff, right? It's going to feel harder, but, but the temptation that's come, it's what it is, and please hear me. James tells us about this. He says, it's not faith that creates abundance. It's the testing of our faith that develops perseverance that has a work that must be finished so that we can be mature and complete and not lack anything. There's been a bad teaching. Let me just correct it. Faith is not the key to abundance. Tested faith develops perseverance so that we may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you want to prosper, get a promise from God, and when it's tested, stand the test. Don't go back. Come on. Don't give in. Don't call it an emergency when it's just a luxury. But I need new tires. Listen, they're not bald. They only have 500 miles on them. They cost half as much. Maybe you should buy used tires. Maybe you should sell the extra car. Maybe what your home needs more than anything else is a euconectomy. God can bless a Nissan. I know it's hard to say around Detroit. I'm just, God can bless a Ford Focus. There, I said it the right way. All right? But I have kids, and they, they need to ride in a safe vehicle. I, I drive a roller skate of a Subaru. It's got a five-star crash rating. I don't know what that means if I hit a truck. I think it's still bad. <laughs> but I feel as safe as it, and I did my Dodge Ram, you know. So um, for a season, it's going to feel harder, right? Never borrow another dollar. 
and you're, you're heading towards the promised land. It will be tested, but the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You guys doing good? Next thing I want you to do is create a biblical budget. Budgeting according to biblical wisdom. Can I tell, like, please hear these words. You hear nothing else I say all day. This is the one I want you to take home. God is so smart, and we are not. And his ways are not our ways. The way he does stuff may seem contradictory. However, let me just give you a brief overview of what a, a biblical budget might look like. It's going to need some wisdom in it. Does that make sense? It's going to need some, some faith in it. You say, well, I, I can't afford to give. That might be true. And if that's the case, please don't, please ignore what I'm about to say. Like, it's, I get that. But, but let me also challenge you a little bit that it isn't the size of the gift that matters in the eyes of God. It's the size of the faith being exercised that he takes note of. Woman, two copper coins, clink, clink. Jesus goes, hold the phone. Everybody stop. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Look here. Did you see that? See what? That, that poor rags, osteoporosis, clink, clink. She gave everything. Jesus, Jesus said, listen, all four gospels record a woman who gave two pennies. The size of the gift is not nearly as relevant as the size of the faith giving the gift. Well, when I have money, I'll give. It's like when I, when I have crops, I'll sow. <laughs> Where do the seeds come from, <laughs> right? So we're going to give. We're going to save because I, I believe, again, there's a wisdom that says storing up. In the house of the wise, there are stores of, of oil and bread, but the foolish gulp theirs down. Like we shouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck, Solomon says clearly, right? Um, this is one of the greatest things that has ever happened in my marriage. This is not a biblical principle. I'm sorry, it's not a, a Bible verse, but it is a biblical principle that there is a rainy day. How many of you guys know that Grandma always had a rainy day fund, right? Why? Because she's lived long enough to see it rain, right? Say, be positive. I'll, I'll quote Dave Ramsey. I am positive it's going to rain sometime in your life. And so having $1,000 in an emergency fund just waiting, and I'm sitting like, Jim, $1,000, a million dollars. Okay, let me give me an exercise. To prove to you you could probably do it, and the issue is in your head, not in reality. If your child, how many guys have here, you have a kid that you, you just love? It's, it's your kid, it's somebody else's kid, it's a kid on TV. You love the kid. And you found out that the kid, along with all the kids on, on the planet suddenly got a disease, and the cure is medicine that's going to cost $1,000. There's this many kids, but there's only this many doses. Whoever comes up with $1,000 first will be able to save that child's life. How many of you guys can come up with $1,000 now? You'd sell stuff. You'd quit going to the coffee shop. You'd drink dirty water and call it coffee. You'd, you know what I mean? You'd quit putting salt in the softener. Sorry, Dan. You'd quit betting on Michigan to win a football game. You'd, you'd all the luxuries, they'd all go away. Why? Because I am, I am just focus like a laser beam on saving someone I love. Now, if you could come up with a thousand bucks to save that kid, then would you do me a favor? Consider saving up a thousand dollars to save your bacon. If you, don't, if you don't love you that much, that's another problem we got to deal with. But when we have an emergency fund, all of us, not Dina and I, but when we have an emergency fund and the washing machine breaks down, there's no argument over money. You know what you do when you have a thousand dollars in the bank and the washing machine breaks? This is going to be hard, but try to follow me. You ready? You go buy a washing machine. Well, but then the $1,000 emergency fund becomes $500. Unless you're like an American, then the $1,000 becomes $100. I need a $900 washing machine. It looks like Darth Vader's cleaning my clothes. I have to have it. <laughs> use the force. Use the softener, Luke. Listen, guys, I I'm telling you, it's funny. You won't buy that if you don't borrow that. You'll buy actually the $500 one and be happy with it because now it's your money. It's real money. 
There's, there's a pain in the exchange of real money, right? But you'll go buy it, and then you'll start building that $500 back up to 1000 again. That's, you can do this. Come on, say, I can do this. With God's help, you can do this. You really can. Like, God's on our side, right? God's good, yes? God wants us out of debt, yes? All right, good. So then start with what Dave Ramsey calls the debt snowball. I open your Bibles to the book of Dave Ramsey. I know, but this is really good wisdom. If you had three $500 credit cards, $1,500 in debt, this one had a $100 balance on it, this one had a $250 balance, this one had a $500 balance on it, and you wanted to do something about it, you can make minimum payments on all three, and, and it would be around so long, it'd be like having a pet, right? But if you put everything you can on that first one, that $50 a month payment, it only had what was it, $100 on it, then in, in one month, you can probably pay that off after you do your $1,000 emergency fund. Just, just go after it. If you saved up $1,000, you can come up with another 100 right? And that 100 goes down to 50, and boom, it's gone. Now you take the 50 that was in this payment, and the 50 in this payment, and the 50 in this payment, this one's gone. So you take the 50 plus the 50 that's there, and now you're paying $100 on your $250 debt. How many months before you're out of debt on the $250 card at $100 a month? You're probably more like two if you're ambitious, because somebody's going to give you a birthday card. You're going to walk by Mrs. Mossman. She's going to give you a hug and a $20 bill. And if you're going after this, it's done in two months. Now you got the $500 card. But now you got 50 plus 50 plus the 50. You got $150. And it literally, guys, we just paid off all three credit cards in like eight months. We're debt-free. We never have to go back again. Why? Because we decided not to make minimum payments to mammon. We decided to get free from that bugger's grasp. And when you decide it's done, it's time, I'm, I'm finished with it. Things will change, right? We're going to give. We're going to save debt snowball. After that, I want you to save up three to six months of, of, of income. So you never have to worry about it again. <laughs> again, I know I'm quoting Dave Ramsey a lot. You guys doing okay? How many of you guys give me five more minutes? Let me see your hand. Five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20. That should be enough. Okay. I love new people. <laughs> I tell that joke all the time. I've tried to lay off it for a year, but now it's like funny again. I love that. <sighs> But, but this sort of thing, he tells a story about a guy that, that has three to six months of income stored up. He goes back to the same ogre boss. The guy's screaming at him, cussing him in his face, but he doesn't have any payments. He just, kinda, he just looks at the guy, says, I'll see you later, walks away. The boss goes, where are you going? Because he's used to people that have to work for him to, to act that way. He's used to managing slaves, not free people. Where are you going? He just turns around and goes, I don't have any payments. And he goes and he finds another job, and he's got three to six months to figure it out. How many of you guys know that's a nicer way to live than, like, working for Broomhilda, than working for, you know, Ivan the Terrible, right? And then I, I want you to take Financial Peace University. Take it. Changes everybody's life that takes it. Everybody that takes it and lives it changes their life. Was that Mary? Is that I heard you say amen? Yeah, take it. Um, it, I don't make any money off this. There's no kickback for me. It just literally, as your pastor, I think the greatest way to learn this stuff, that's great. But in community, when we're cutting up our credit cards and everybody's celebrating it, it's a very different dynamic than the one I've gotten today teaching a sex ed class to seventh graders. We're like, yay! Nobody says yay until recess on the other illustration. Let's go on from there. Last thing is just be satisfied with the manna for a season, guys. And that, that's just, again, back to the, this. And, and worship team, come join me. We're going to enjoy communion this morning. Uh, ushers and communion people, it's, it's time for you to come down as well. There, there is a season that's difficult because I, I was accustomed to living here, and now to do this right, I'm actually going to have to live here. But, but it's, it's in trusting God in the wilderness that you get to possess the promised land. It, it's in obeying him when he says it's time to leave Egypt that you get to take your first steps in that direction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It, there, there's, I mean, I, I get the delayed gratification thing, I get contentment as a principle. I've been on a diet for 11 weeks. 
as I pull up my pants over my belly. I've lost 11 pounds in 11 weeks. You're clapping. I'm depressed. It's one of those eat-all-meat diets, no carbs. And everybody that goes on it loses like 30 pounds. And then, and then by the second afternoon, it's another 30 pounds. And I've eaten more chicken and pork and beef and cheese and avocados. I mean, if it wasn't for bacon, I'd have never made it this far. You know what I'm saying? I, I get how some things that are important take time. And I just share this personal, babe, can I just be honest? All the way? Okay. We got into credit card debt because we needed things that really mattered to people that we loved. When we were giving to the building of this building, we decided we're going to make minimum payments on everything and everything else just goes to God. Um, I remember meeting with my financial advisor, uh, Andy Elger. You guys know Andy Elger? Also affectionately known to me as the debt Nazi. He hates. He hates debt. And I showed him my plan. I was just, my faith, I'm so excited. He said, well, Jim, you're, you're giving like a person who's out of debt. And unless God tells you you should do this, you, you shouldn't. This is unwise. But I really, we felt like the Lord told us to do it, so we did it, no regrets. But we, we milked for 28 of our 30 years of marriage. Like, we never paid off the first dollar we borrowed. We rolled it into a lower interest, 0% interest for 18 months. We had debt consolidation when we lived in Arizona. All the debts we pay, you know, one small payment. But how much know that when you free up $50 a month, what do you do with the $50? Do you pay it off faster? Not if you haven't learned the lessons about money. We just leveraged it for more payments because we needed things. We took a cut and pay from being youth pastors in Prescott to being the senior pastors here, and it continued. And then we got a house, and we needed a car. And then, you know what negative equity is? That means you paid a lot more for it than what it's worth. So when you get financed on your new car, because the old one broke down, you're trading in a broken car, that's high mileage, going back to a car lot who's prepared for people just like us, and not, nothing against car lots, but they were ready for the young couple that was ignorant and just desperate because we had kids, and we bought the minivan for twice what it was worth. I'm so foolish with money, guys. I bought a three-cylinder Chevy Sprint. How many of you guys remember the Chevy Sprints? They, they were like disposable lighters. They ran out of gas, you threw them away, you bought another one. I literally, I literally owed $5,000 more than it was worth. So it was a higher risk loan. So my interest, I, I mean, I was paying on it like I was driving a Tahoe and I was driving a toehold. And, and I'm, here, I'm here just to say this to you. Please hear me. How many of you guys believe God's good enough to help you through this? But there's some decisions we got to make too. How do you believe God is, has wisdom for us in making our budgets? And we need to make them now and not wait till another day. For 28 years, we had debt. But it was 18 months before the end of that 28 years, something changed. I think it was our, our kids were getting married and they were getting ready to have kids and we realized, there was, I remember this revelation, I'm about to put on a credit card, the same credit card I put my son's diapers on, I'm gonna put my grandson's diapers on and it's never been paid off. And it's robbed me of my retirement, it's robbed me of freedom, it's, it's, it's held me in bondage because I gotta and I can't stop and I need to have multiple and I don't, you know what I mean? Guys, I, I want you to hear uh, a foolish man who made silly mistakes and believed horrible lies when we made up our minds that it was time to leave Egypt. I mean, the alarm went off. And we just started, God, here's our plan, four years, a long time, living very meagerly, suffering through manna, wanting quail. 
But what we did is once we gave God a plan that we meant and we repented and we were done, we groaned as slaves groan in the pain of their slavery. God, when will you have, God, please. That four years was reduced to 18 months. And with the help and grace of God, we're never going back into debt again, okay? And I say that to you because a lot has changed since then. We, we now get to be um, generous the way we always wanted to. I, we give money like I got into your purse, like I got into your wallet. That, that's not, please, that is not a brag. My wife has a generous heart, and we've always had to say no. Gas and groceries, gas and groceries, gas and groceries. Now it's gas and groceries for us and gas and groceries for anybody else that needs it, that, that God leads us to, right? I want you to do this. We're going to receive communion today, and here's my final statement before we do. It's a question. Can you trust God with your soul? With your forever? Can you, has Jesus done enough? Does God love enough? Has he, has he expressed enough? Is the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the resurrection, is it adequate for the salvation of your soul? Yes or no? You put your faith in that, right? Well, if you can trust God with your immortal soul, can we trust him with a temporal dough? Can we, can we trust him, the one that's leading us out of pornography, leading us out of addiction, leading us out of our anger, leading us out of everything? Can we trust him to lead us out of this too? The porn thing's bad, but the credit's normal. The credit's bad, but porn's normal. Listen, anything that cools your passion for God is sin. Anything that, that does this to you and God is doing this to you is sin. Let's not live under the, the confines of the world. Like, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just stand to your feet, please, all over this room. Before you come forward, to have these wonderful people serve you communion and the worship team's gonna lead us in that last song about how all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. I would ask that you would consider that final question, man. Can I trust God with my money? And if I can, what would that look like? And if it looks like this, then where do I start? And then if that, when do I start? Like, start today. Somebody say Amen. This goes for every area of your life. God is so good, he's going to help you. He's going to forgive you. He's going to give you clean slates and fresh starts. That's what we're doing now by celebrating communion, is celebrating what Jesus did for all of us to set us free. Whenever you're ready. Don't, I mean, examine your heart. Don't come forward because it's time. I'm in the front row. Examine your heart when you're ready. Come forward. We're going to serve you communion. If you guys would lead us this morning, please.